0: You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, May 19th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my more baseball-related work at places like Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Baseball FYI, or something entirely different, my more pop culture entertainment beat of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse Play, Disgusting, Film Cred, and more, and hopefully many more to come for both baseball and the pop cultures, guys. But when it comes to the most important thing... Which is this year podcast, the Lockdown Padres podcast. You can follow the Twitter page for the show at l o underscore Padres or at my personal account, which is at javapeno, and that's spelled J A V I I P E N O. And if you feel so inclined, only I-, I must emphasize, only if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I love to get back to you. Love interacting with you guys. Uh, on both accounts, when it comes to the Pods games, it feels like we're all watching it together. Communal sort of experience. It's really, 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 really fun, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by On MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, and that's not an exaggeration, Mr. Paul Francis Sullivan. But promise me this, Please call him Sully. Every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors both past and present featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Networks team of local experts including myself sometimes, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Lockdown MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts, guys. And for today's show, today's show, we are recapping yesterday's game between the Padres and the Rockies. Yet again, a victory for the Padres, five in a row, guys, five in a row, and today's game is a little bit of an early one, four o'clock Eastern time for me, one o'clock Eastern, I imagine for all you West Coasters out there, but still very excited for that game, guys, and while this five-game win streak is, no, this isn't no Oakland A's when they won 13 at the beginning of the year in a row after starting off 0-6, it's still very, very pleasant and very enjoyable going to be recapping the game, like I said, then I'm going to be talking about a little bit about Blake Snell and that trade, and a mini, mini little retrospect, and then talking about some of the bigger storylines that happened in baseball yesterday, because I feel they are important, pertaining to Yerman Mercedes and Tony La Russa, and also the no-hitter that happened last night for the Detroit Tigers. But guys, enough chit-chat. let's get into the game recap, ladies and gentlemen. Last night, the Padres defeated the Colorado Rockies by a score of 2-1, to led into battle I said this is the same phrase, terminology, yesterday when regards to you, Darvish, but this time it was Blake Snell. Arguably, no, not even arguably, without a doubt, his best outing of the year. The only thing that came close was maybe his opening day start, or I should say opening series start against the D backs back on April 2nd. Blake Snell in this game goes six innings, allowing one run on five hits, walking one and striking out 11. Absolutely massive. Lowered his ERA to 3.79 on the year, which is pretty solid. Austin Adams also appears in this game. Emilia Pagan looks good, although Emilia Pagan, let me just say one thing real quick, had a great strikeout to end the inning uh, that he pitched in. But Emilia Pagan is kind of, I don't know if I used this comp already, but I compared him to David Robertson where he's this guy that has a lot of strikeout potential. He's this guy that is objectively like a good player. Um, sometimes sometimes great, but he always makes you nervous. And one of the things about that is that he has a really high uh, fly ball tendency and gives up a lot of homers every now and then. Like, Pagan isn't, like, when Melanson, if he ever blows a save, which, yet again, perfect. Perfect for Melanson. He didn't actually save this game because we ended up going into extras. But Melanson, it's like there's some walks involved, you know, maybe one hit. He doesn't get absolutely torched. Emilio Pagan is the type of guy that comes in, gets one out, and then gives up, like, four runs. And that might happen at some point in the year. Uh, Hopefully not against, like, a really good team in a really important situation like the Dodgers or anything like that. But still, Emilio Pagan having a lot better of a season this year, at least I think, Pierce Johnson ends up actually getting the win in this game because, like I said, the game goes to extras. There wasn't really any heroism uh, coming from Manny Machado tonight. You know, it was the best hitter probably for the Padres tonight was, yet again, Jake Cronenworth, who just continues, continues to hit. 3-4 for in last night's game with a double, raising his average above .300, .306 to be exact, for the season so far. He is 15 for his last 35 at-bats, which is an average of 429 and an on-base percentage of 500. He's only struck out three times in that span. Just unbelievable stuff. Yeah, he's not hitting super RBIs, but that's because he hits a little bit bottom towards the order. And not to mention, lately, the Padres lineup has been just struggling a little bit to remain totally on-base with the exception of this Cardinal series and this Rockies series. But uh, just absolutely outstanding stuff from Jake Cronenworth. In the month of May, he's batting .377 with a .433 on base. In April, he batted .263 with a .351 on base. And that's still elite stuff, too. So Jake Cronenworth making, uh, it hasn't been talked about enough, but possibly an all-star bid uh, right now. I mean, it just as a pure hitter, the guy is like one of the best in the league. He just doesn't strike out. He may not hit a ton of homers, a hit for a ton of power, and he's not particularly the fastest guy in the base bats necessarily sometimes, but he's just been outstanding and it cannot be emphasized enough how much of a huge, huge jackpot that the Padres hit when they traded for this man. Absolutely huge, and that's what championship rosters are made of. Unexpectedly great players who just become ultimate breakouts. This guy looks like Ben Zobra, seriously. Um, But basically, he's the only one that really manages to to get any big hits. Hassan Kim has a double, which was nice. And the Padres end up going to extras... Uh, not winning initially in the bottom of the ninth, I thought Manny was gonna walk it off. Personally, I I smelled it, I felt it deep in my deep in my bones, deep in my veins. Dare I say? I thought that he was gonna walk it off, but he didn't. Instead, it was Jorge Mateo who was the runner, the whole extra innings runner on second rule. Which again, I'll reiterate, I'm a fan of. I think it mixes up the game a little bit. Is it weird and kind of a little dumb? Yeah, sure. But sometimes you need some dumb sort of things to mix up the the 162-game season you have. Uh, Jorge Mateo ends up scoring from third base after a bunt that moves him over from second to third. And then he ends up scoring from third, not because of some walk-off hit or anything like that. Instead, a wild pitch from Daniel Bard, who I got some respect for, comeback player of the year last year. Uh, you know, got got some respect for the guy, but he was pitching in his second inning. Wild pitch, allowing Mateo to score from third base, equaling the walk-off Love to love to see it. It, of course, took me right back to what Mateo scored when Drix and Profar brought against the same team, the Rockies, back over the summer around Labor Day, if I'm not mistaken. So I thought of that moment uh, immediately. Very cool win for the Padres. Um, great to see the team coming up clutch, even if it wasn't, you know, what we like to see, which is the knockoff, you know, home run. And it was one of the first walkoffs of the season for the Padres which is, which is uh, pretty surprising given how much we've kind of talked about them and whatnot, you know, this, this whole last season and how they were the most exciting team in baseball in Slam Diego. They haven't had that. They haven't been exciting in terms of the offensive side of things. But granted, I think that part of us as Padres fans should expect. Remember that last season 60-game stretch. First of all, marathon-type season and, you know, smaller game sample size. That's like it really was an exceptional season that happened last year. Like it really was. It's not just an individual thing. It's not just Tatis being awesome and the three zero and all that stuff. There was so many different reasons for why the Padres were one of the most exciting baseball teams I've literally ever seen. The only thing I could think of that came close to me is back when I really cared about the Yankees in like 09 when they had like Nick Swisher throwing pies at people just because it was weird and kind of fun. But the Padres team right now kind of blows that out of the water because it was an unexpected breakout. The Yankees are the Yankees. Padres are completely different, obviously. So, seeing them break out is a lot more satisfying than the Yankees team breaking out. But um, that wasn't the most important thing that happened last night. Yes, not even as important as the W or the walk-off. There was something more important. And that was Blake Snell. But before we talk about Mr. Blake Snell, guys, I want to talk to you about investing. And investing, it can be really complicated. But whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, wealth front. That's right. Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% fee. And best of all, it's Automatic Wealthfront is trusted with over twenty billion dollars of assets, and you can get your first five thousand managed for free by going to wealthfront.com/slash-lockdownmlb. All you need is five hundred to get started, grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first five thousand managed free, go to wealthfront.com/slash-lockdownmlb. Remember that is Wealthfront, W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com/slash-lockdownmlb to start growing your savings get started today and guys my favorite thing in the world I want to talk about food but more importantly the best tasting protein bars around guys that's right built bars they are soft and easy to chew covering in hundred percent chocolate and my favorite thing about them great variety of flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, cherry bar, sia birthday cake, and all these sort of things, birthday cake, the last one being one of their limited time flavors, and they have these limited time flavors all the time, so you got to, you know, uh, stay attentive when it comes to Bilt Bar, they've always got new flavors coming out and whatnot, and they're really, like I said, they're protein bars, so they're healthy for you, most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs, they are simply fantastic, guys, Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And now guys... Let's talk about Blake Snell in a little more in-depth detail. You know, not exactly a pitcher's duel matchup yesterday. It was between him and Austin Gomber, but Austin Gomber wasn't even all that terrible. Austin Gomber famously, aside from having a last name that reminds me of the Goombas from Mario <laughs> and all the Mario games, um, he was the, the key piece in the trade for Nolan Arenado, which is... Honestly, all you have to know, uh, I have no no shame on Austin Gobber. Maybe he'll be at least a, a pretty decent player, but not exactly a high-level prospect that they gave up in order to acquire Nolan Arenado. But then again, we're talking about the Rockies here. Um, for, for Blake Snell, last night, some of the things that I noticed the most, first of all, uses fastball a lot, generated seven whiffs on the pitch in total. And his slider also looked really good, also generating seven whiffs the fewer times that he did throw it. He threw it 13 times, so that's a pretty good percentage. That's above 50% for Blake Snell. So that was really cool to see. And in general, what I like seeing is starting from the first inning, he was challenging hitters. And what I mean by that is throwing that fastball like 97 miles per hour, throwing some gas up in the zone, up in the strike zone with good, precise control. Um, The whole game looked pretty confident. That's what's been interesting about Blake Snell. I'm not saying this guy is like the cockiest player in the league, I'm not saying he's overconfident, I'm not saying he's the Naruto Uzumaki, I'm gonna become the best Cy Young, you know, winner in the world, all of you other people can't, you know, touch me or anything like that, Michael Jordan style, whatever, but he's certainly not a shy fellow, he doesn't strike me as that, he sounds like a relatively just, like, normal confidence guy like he believes himself every time he's been talking about the game he's just like yeah i'll figure it out that seems to be the vibe every time we, they've talked about blake snow and his struggles so far so i like to see him come out yes it was against the rockies that is the criticism. It was against the Rockies, and the Rockies are one of the three worst teams probably in the league, along with Pittsburgh and Detroit, probably one of the worst in the league. Seattle is starting to slowly fall back down to earth, by the way, which I'd enjoyed and we'll talk about them in a little bit when in regards to the uh the no hitter. But even still, striking out eight in a row, I don't care what team it is, that's still pretty impressive. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know how satisfying it was? To finally see the appearance of the Snellzilla oh, last night? I just. It was really good, and it was, like I said, it was against the Rockies, so we'll see if he can carry this momentum into his next start. Like I said, and I talked about this last week's episode, I believe, when I broke down in a little bit more detail what exactly what's been wrong with Blake Snell, but the too-long-didn't-listen, I guess, version of that is that he's not getting guys to swing at stuff outside the zone. He's not fooling hitters so far this year. So hopefully this was a sign that he's getting there, and that he's going to, you know, just simply do better. Just just be better. As was said in the popular Disney Channel original movie, just skate better. I, I don't remember exactly what that movie was called, but I remember that's what someone like someone responded with what you need to do. And they said, just skate better. You know? And sometimes it's as simple as that. So Blake's now hopefully this pretends of good things to come. His next start is gonna come against the Milwaukee Brewers, most likely, as they have a four-game set against the Brewers after this upcoming Mariners one, and the Brewers, not necessarily the most intimidating offense in the world, but they will have Lorenzo Cain back, they do have Colton Wong back, and they do have Christian Yelich back, which is not the case the last time the Padres played them, so still a game that I'd like to see Blake Snell um, you know, do really well, and hopefully he can go farther into the game as he did last night. And also, I just really want to quickly talk about just the... Last night's a good example. We need to calm down with declaring the Rays the winner of the trade, that they won the trade, they fleeced the Padres because they got Patino, and they got some other prospects because of that. Well, I, I, I don't know. And, hey, even you could even say to a small extent that the the Renfro and Xavier Edwards trade— in exchange for Tommy Pham and Jake Cronenworth, you could say that that one even we have to wait and see because Xavier Edwards is looking like a guy that's going to start vaulting up uh, MLB prospect list. I shouldn't say vaulting. That's too strong of a word from what I've heard. But still, like, you never know with that guy, so maybe it's not a total loss for the Rays. But at least right now, I mean, with Jake Cronenworth playing the way he's playing, um, you know, the Padres are certainly winning that trade as of right now. And if Xavier Edwards turns out good, maybe it's going to be a stalemate. Like, that's possible, guys, that both teams win the trade. You know that's totally possible. So we'll see how it happens. But when it comes to this this Blake Snell trade, you know, depending on how things shape up, you're going to get a lot of people saying the Padres totally made a mistake. And my response to that is, oftentimes in sports, one thing that I don't like that happens is when it comes to just drafting. And I talked about this with Ben Caspick a couple weeks ago when we were talking about just projecting young prospects is a little silly sometimes. I remember the NBA, just to do a little cross-sport reference, for example, uh, the year that it was like Jason Tatum was the third overall pick and Markel Fultz was the first overall pick. The Celtics traded back and everyone's like, wow, genius play by Celtics. They knew something was wrong with Markel Fultz. And it's like, maybe they just liked Jason Tatum about as much. They didn't know that Markel Fultz was going to head into training camp with a completely different literal way that he shoots the basketball, not be able to shoot the ball basically, and have to undergo some type of deadpool surgery where he's just like in some tank and has to have water removed from his body, or whatever the heck that weird surgery was for Markels. the The Celtics didn't know that he was going to be unplayable for two years. Sometimes people give teams a little bit too much credit. And what I mean by that is it's not like the Rays knew that Blake Snell, so far he's been pitching like a c minus D tier pitcher so far this year dare I say maybe, maybe I'd say a C pitcher they didn't know he'd go from an A minus B plus to a C minus you know what I mean They're like they just thought hey we like this Patino guy and we think Snell it's, it's time to sell high on him to an extent don't don't do that that's not a right way of looking at things and also before people keep giving the race so much credit yeah they like selling and they they get rid of guys at the right time and then they get a nice project back guess what how many championships have they won with that strategy so to some extent, yes, they're good teams, but they never won a championship using that type of a strategy, this, dare I say, money ball strategy. So I'd be careful with praising the Rays for that stuff. There's still plenty of time for Blake Snell to be good. And while I am concerned that his move to the National League and facing new hitters and the fact that he gets the pitcher every nine at bats has not resulted in at least the same type of stats we're used to seeing from Blake Snell, that is concerning. It's way too early to start saying that the Padres got fleece and it was a mistake trading for him. No, it wasn't. Patino, it was Young. And if he turns up this year and starts pitching really significant innings for the Rays immediately, I'd be surprised. The kid's like 22. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not expected. The Padres made the right move in retrospect, still, no matter what really kind of happens for Blake Snell. Although I do admit that they gave up perhaps a little bit much in the trade. Patino alone might have been enough, but they did add in some extra pieces, which I didn't love. But still, nevertheless, guys, way too early to make a total kind of, you know, all-encompassing decision about how this trade works out for the Padres. It's just way too early. And now, guys, I want to talk to you about something. Before we get into the final segment... I want to talk to you about BetOnline.ag. We're talking about how it's way too early to make predictions and bets. Well, let's talk about bets really quickly, guys. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, baseball season, in full swing, and you can track all the action at online And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting news, including not just Major League Baseball, but also the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. You know, we've got these playing games going on with the NBA right now, so they'll have all the info on that. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code On when doing so. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, we're back, almost wrapping up with today's podcast. And I just want to talk about a couple things that happened last night. Firstly, since it's honestly the thing that I have less thoughts on, believe it or not, is the no-hitter. It is the fifth no-hitter of the year, and it was tossed by, not one of these ace pitchers we're all used to, it was tossed by a member of the Detroit Tigers, Mr. Spencer Turnbull, a no-hitter. He goes nine innings, obviously, walking two, striking out nine. Congratulations to him. It's still, I don't want to, like get into this thing where I start saying it's not worth it, but still this is a this is a guy that's not exactly an ace, not exactly a guy that we think has a lot of superstar potential. And some people may say I'm a hypocrite because I lost my mind after Joe Musgrove won. Fair enough. I may I may be very well be a hypocrite for this. But uh in fairness also, it was the first one in Padre's history. You know what I mean? And also like this that he's a San Diego native. So that was part of it too. Um but still, nevertheless, I think that it is some people are saying, is it an epidemic in baseball? Now, the, the most amount of no-hitters that have ever been tossed in a single season is seven, and we already have five through like a month and a half of baseball. We'll have to see. And by the way, there could be no for the, none for the rest of the year. There's been times I think we had two perfect games or something like that within a month span. Maybe might have even have been in the same week. So everyone's like, oh, my God, like, how many are we going to end up with for the rest of the year? And there ended up being no more or something like that. And maybe it was no hitters. But what I'm saying is it very well could be that we get none for the rest of the year. And they all just happen to have it happen at the beginning of the season. That being said, it's it's a complicated issue. I do think pitchers are getting better. I do think it's silly that we still haven't addressed the 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 shift situation in baseball. There's still the lack of a universal DH, and they deadened the baseball this year. But also, in fairness, you know, I saw Michael Wilbon, who I like, I've criticized on the show before because he's very much like analytics are garbage, and uh, millennials are ruining the world, and. You know, uh, the the millennials, they, they, they can't think of new ideas. They greenlit Roseanne back in 2015 or whatever year it was because they're running out of ideas because, yes, absolutely, 25-year-olds are deciding what type of shows play on ABC, one of the largest networks in the country, whatever. Okay, all that type of BS, right? But he did make a point where he's like, hey, you know, with the the game being very strikeout, walk, or home run oriented, you're going to have these gamers where there's a lot of strikeouts and people that fail to just make simple contact. You know what I mean? There are a lot less Nick Madrigals of the Chicago White Sox than there are, you know, Miguel Sano types. Miguel Sano is a great example of strikeout, walk, or home run. I mean, that's all that guy does. And honestly, he's an extreme example of just... An extreme example. I think most guys can at least hit the ball sometimes compared to Miguel Sado, right? Um, But that's just, I don't know if it's a total epidemic yet. I do think it is something that I've said before, I don't know what baseball's stance is on all these things. They seem to, if you really want offense, then why are you experimenting with pushing the mound back? Why aren't you just doing things like legislating the the shift out of baseball, or putting in the universal DH, or not denning the baseball—it's just—it's just really where, Like I don't know what they want exactly from the game so far. So that's just a little bit odd. But still, congrats to Spencer Turnbull. We'll have to see uh, who throws the next no hitter. Whether it's going to be—I don't know—some actual pitcher people think is very good, like an Arriola, or maybe yeah, maybe you Darvish get it, get him in there, or some type of you know low end starter like a. You know Luke Weaver or Jordan Montgomery, just two Dave's that pop off the top of my head. We'll have to see. It's definitely something worth monitoring, for sure, because uh, baseball offense is down. It's the worst it's been in a very long time. But speaking of Nick Madrigal, one of the last things I wanted to talk about was the Chicago White Sox situation that is developing right now, and it seems like it's going nuclear. And what I mean by that is by the time I say what's what I'm saying right now, there could be more developments in it. As many baseball fans have been following, Yermin Mercedes, who's been the best player on that team so far this year. Um, Even better than guys like Giolito and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are hurt right now. But still, he's been incredible. You know, been in the minor leagues for a very long time. He's been awesome and has a really ridiculous swing that I love watching. He hit a home run the other day off of Williams Astadillo. Um, who was a position player that had to come into pitch because the, the White Sox were already up by 11 runs, and he swung on, on a 3-0 pitch and drove it to deep center. I have no issue with this. Yes, somewhat, somewhat similar to the Tatis' 3-0 situation last year. The only difference is that, that that was even more absurd because the Padres' bullpen was terrible at that point in the year, and they were only up by, like, 6 or 7, so, like, why aren't you swinging to get extra runs? Just very stupid, like I said before. Uh, pitchers. The softest mofos in all of sports. Just absolute weak shit from them constantly. Not all of them. There are some that are sharing their, their takes on this whole situation. But unfortunately, the biggest one that made the most news is Tony La Russa, the manager of the Chicago White Sox, who said that he hated it and said that there's going to be punishment for Yearman Mercedes. And what can I say, this is exactly, I recommend everyone go listen back to Herb Lawrence and my, uh, Herb Lawrence, the host of Chicago, uh, hold on, host of the Lockdown White Sox podcast, co-host, I should say, along with Chris Tannehill of the Lockdown White Sox podcast. And we talked about the Tony La Russa hiring and how it was just such a counterculture hire with a team that's that's more liberal and is very diverse in terms of race, has a lot of, you know, Guys that are a little bit showboaty and like to celebrate. Tim Anderson being kind of the, the headliner for that with the bat flips and stuff. And for you to bring in La Russa, who's a guy that hates people who are kneeling for the national anthem, believes in old school baseball and fundamentals and respect. And I, I mean respect in a very loaded word, by the way. Because I, I got a little bit of crap for this. And please, if you, if you guys disagree, you could tweet at me or whatever, but... Unwritten rules, there is a racially motivated compo- component to them. You can act a certain, you can be a certain skin color, but let's just say if you act a certain way, it's a culture problem. That's the thing with baseball. They don't like people celebrating and I have no issue with people who are humble. I've said before, it's not Mike Trout. Mike Trout's fine. You could do your thing and be humble and you you just play baseball, go about your day. The problem with baseball is that they don't allow the other personality types who are like, "I'm just amped to be here and let's have some excitement in this game and stop acting like we're, you know, running laps around the prison yard." This is ridiculous, right? Have some excitement. Stop treating the game like it's some sort of prison punishment, you know what I mean? Like stop acting like it's awful to be here. And, you know, a lot of comments have come out. Tyler Duffy of the Minnesota Twins, shockingly, because like I said, pitchers are soft and they have that weak shit, uh, hit Mr. Yerman Mercedes intentionally. He was eventually tossed out of the game for that, which he should have been. And if I was the commissioner, I'd be like, hey, Tyler Duffy, unfortunately, you're also not that, you know, superstar of a player. Uh, You're gone for 40 games. Bye. See you later. Nope. Can't do this shit anymore. Enough. You're gone. Bye. Seriously, I'm being dead serious. Enough with this. You know, enough with this. And instead, Tony Russo comes out after the game saying, I had no issue with them throwing and hitting my player. The player who's actually playing and doing the goddamn results. He's giving you the wins. He's been one of your best players so far. And to act like he... Another quote from Tony Russo—that he's clueless. Ah, yes, a guy that's floated between organizations, has been dropped a bunch of times, and been, has been an in indie ball for the longest amount of time. Yeah, he doesn't know what it takes. Instead, he's got this, you know privileged you know what just coming in here and being like oh you don't have a respect for the game shut up what are we doing you know and on top of that it just flat out doesn't make sense you want to have respect for the game hey Minnesota Twins forfeit we don't have to play anymore just forfeit why are you throwing a position player out there you essentially are forfeiting the game why do you have a problem with someone hitting a ball after that there are about a bajillion reasons that are wrong with this. And, you know, I saw that Lance Lynn came out and said, this is ridiculous. He just was like, this is dumb and batters should go up there and hit. And then Tony is like, well, that's why Lance Lynn has a locker and I have an office. I was just like, Tony so who the... You're lucky that there are some legacy older media folk that are going to be out here defending you. But actual young people who are trying to help this goddamn game that's falling off a cliff in terms of relevancy because it's so boring and has the weak stuff like this, they actually aren't going to help you. So shout out to Tony Larusa who sucks, and I hope the White Sox do well, and I hope that they realize that they should be going in the direction of people like Tim Anderson and your your main Mercedes instead of guys like Tony Larusa who's washed and hasn't really been uh, understanding of how the modern day works apparently in quite some time now. So shout out to Tony Larusa, and I'm done with my rant. Because I want to be happy about the Padres and whatnot. But um, hopefully you guys don't, uh, I don't know, get angry about my rant just now. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Before we officially wrap it up, remember, guys, go check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with that their podcast. With the legendary host, Peter Bukowski, he updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know I did. I enjoyed getting fired up at the end there. Um, For the future of the pod, obviously going to be recapping uh, today's game, today's kind of early game to close out the series against Colorado. Hopefully they can win with Joe Musgrove on the mound, who can deliver hopefully another good performance. Also going to be talking to, hopefully, he has responded to me a little bit, uh, Sean Sears, who used to host Lockdown Cubs. We'll be talking about Chris Bryant and you, Darvish, both, especially Chris Bryant because of the whole trade potential. And I'll be reading the listener question that I got that kind of prompted this meeting with uh, Sean. So that should be a lot. I burped there for a second. A lot of fun. And then later on in the week, probably on Friday, I'll be having a chat at the end of my game recaps or whatever have you that I'm going to talk about uh, with Emily Nyman reacting to the Jeter documentary news. uh, Kind of a sequel to our – a follow-up to our discussion on baseball documentaries from like a month or so back. So that should be a lot of fun, guys. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. If you guys are on Apple Podcasts, send me some five-star reviews. And in the review description, write a question you have. I guarantee you I will answer it. Guaranteed. No matter what it is, I guarantee you I'll answer it. You can ask me for dating advice for all I care. I don't care. Ask. Say, Javier, how's the dated life going? I don't care. Preferably ask me some baseball questions because this is a baseball podcast. But whatever you put in there, I will answer because I like to bribe for five-star reviews, guys. Uh, Remember to follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.